Last week, we, uh, we wrapped up our time in the Psalms over the summer. And we all know that summer's not quite over, but it sure feels like it. We've got uh, kids going back to school tomorrow, which is crazy to think about. But uh, as we kind of come to the, the end of the summer, we're kind of transitioning. In a couple weeks, we're going to launch into a new sermon series. We're going to dive into the book of Hebrews, as that is our, our, our regular practice, is to walk through books of the Bible together. And so after finishing Exodus this last season, um, it's just going to be a really awesome opportunity to jump into the New Testament book of Hebrews that continues to unpack and, and describes many of these Old Testament images and themes in the New Covenant community. And so uh, I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into the book of Hebrews together here on Sunday mornings. So I, pray, I, I hope that you're already starting to, to dig into that book, to read it regularly, to come and just, just learn and, and grow in our understanding of what God has done to, to, to create this new covenant people. Um, but for a couple weeks here, uh, we just wanted to give just a, a couple open weeks where this sermon is going to be a little less centered on any one passage, and we just want to give some, some pastoral exhortations, some pastoral encouragement. And so today, I just want to share from my heart, um, as, as, as I reflect on, on the history of this church and where God has brought us, I want to really just highlight and unpack for us a vision for the church as a gospel community. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'd invite you just to, to pray with me together as we, as, we, as, we, as we look at what God is doing in our midst and in this church to create a community for His glory. So let's pray together. Father, we come before You. We recognize Your holiness as we declared through song that You are holy, holy, holy. You are fully apart from us transcendent beyond us, and yet you have reached down to be with us. You sent your Son to take on human form, to, to become a man, to give his life in our place, to unite us to our Creator amidst our brokenness and our rebellion. You have made a way to declare us righteous before you, not by anything that we have done, but only based on the finished work of Jesus. And for that, we give you thanks we celebrate that this morning. Pray that you would make us a people who are changed because of that reality. That we would embrace what you have done for us and live in light of the identity that we have in Christ. Pray that you would guide us as, as, as we look into your word and seek to, to understand more of, of the people that you have called us to be together. And so guide me in my words and guide us into truth this morning. And it's for your glory that we gather. It's for the sake of your name that we are here. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Let me just start by saying, wasn't last week amazing? Wasn't last week an awesome time? If you were able to come and join us at the park, be able to come and just enjoy an afternoon, just, just together enjoying time with one another, what a great time. Um, we were able to eat some amazing food. Beck, phenomenal job with the meat. Can we give Beck a hand? I know, I know you like really want to be a pastor and a great preacher, but uh, you might have a, a side gig in catering as well, so uh, good work, man. That was phenomenal. Um, yeah, it was just a great time to, to get out uh, on the grass and play games together, compete a little bit. For me, it was a big day because I think it was the, probably the first time I've ever beaten Santini at anything athletic at all. Granted, it was volleyball, and I think Maddie did most of the work, but uh, I'll take it anyway. I was on, her, I was on the team, so... Anyway, it was, it was a great time just to, to be together and, uh, and just ce celebrate what, what this community is. 
You know, and last week was in many ways a replacement of what we wanted to do last year that COVID had to suspend of a celebration of what God has done to, as we reached a 10-year mark for us as a church last year. So just like the Olympics, we postponed it and did it this year, but it was a great time. And what we experienced last week was just a sample of, in some ways, what has characterized and been the fruit of what the Crossing Church has been over the last 11 plus years. And uh, this year, actually, for, for my wife and I, is kind of marks, this year marks some milestones for us. In a, in a few months, we're going to celebrate 15 years of marriage. But uh, for us also, this very week, this week, we hit 10 years that we moved and came to Fort Collins to be a part of this church. And so as I've been kind of reflecting just on that journey, what God has done, um, it's been awesome to, to think and, and to, to see what God has done through this church and, and, and through that time. If you don't know our story, we were living in northeastern Pennsylvania. I grew up in Colorado, but we were living out east for a while, going to school, seeking what, what God had for us and, and, and where He was going to lead us. So we came and uh, uh, we were visiting some family, but I reconnected with my buddy Gary McQuinn, who was one of the founding pastors here, helped, Gary, helped Aaron in the, in the early days start this church. And we reconnected and just kind of told him where we were at, what we were wrestling through and, and looking, looking for. And so we came out and we visited the crossing Got to meet Aaron and Joey and many others here. We stayed in Max and Elise Jackal's little condo at the time, and it was just awesome. We spent just a short weekend, but, but we were captivated by what God was doing in this church, in this community. The church was about a year old at the time. I think we'd, they, had, they had just gotten into this facility as, as God has miraculously kind of gifted this place for the church at the time to gather and come together. And uh, we were just struck by this, this vision of a people formed and shaped by the gospel living life together. And so my wife and I, we went back to Pennsylvania and I quit my job. I finished up my school and I said, we need to go out and be a part of this. And so we moved out here, didn't have a job or anything. And I know that may sound like, wow, what a, what a great step of faith. But just keep in mind, I was leaving Scranton, Pennsylvania and moving to Fort Collins. So <laughs> it was a bit of an upgrade, not exactly suffering for Jesus out here in the choice city. But uh but we, we, we longed to just be a part of, of what God was doing uh, here in this church. And as we just plugged in and just committed to the people here, we've seen God do an amazing work. And, and as, we, as, as we think about what we are, like ultimately it's an authentic, close-knit community of relationships who are born out of our encounter with Jesus. When we think about what we are as a community, we, we have to recognize that the church is called to be a community that exists because of the gospel. We have to be careful uh, to think that, not to think that what we have, have done over these years has, has built and created this great community experience. We have to recognize what truly defines us. And it's not just that we know how to have a good time at a park together. Like, even if the gospel wasn't true, all of us could have gathered at Spring Canyon Park and played volleyball and ate good food and enjoyed an afternoon together playing games. There's nothing especially unique about that necessarily. That happens all the time. But I believe that who we are is actually a supernatural work of God. And it's the presence of God through the Spirit that actually makes us into a unique community. And I want to call us to remember and recognize that this morning, to remember who we are after a prolonged season that has challenged our community. The past year and a half has been hard on relationships, 
and connection, investment in each other's lives. We've had to, to fight hard to, to, to maintain community together. And I'd say so many of us have done a phenomenal job of pressing into that and fighting and striving for that together. Maybe of others have, have felt pretty disconnected and distant and isolated. Our communal muscles have, have maybe been weakened a little bit. Relationships have been strained. Our convictions have been challenged. And so this morning, I just, I just want to call us to not lose sight of who we are, the community that this is, and what God has been doing in this church from the beginning, and the thing that makes us distinct. But throughout these 11 plus years, we've been seeking to cultivate a people who know that they have been radically saved and changed by the gospel and who are running hard after Jesus and his mission together. And I believe that we have to remember that our individual identity in Christ must lead us to embrace and invest in our community identity in the church. So I want to simply make three observations for us this morning about what the, the gospel community that is the church. So my first observation is this, that the church is the community that we didn't choose. It's the community we didn't choose. There is an unlikely formation of gospel community. Our place in the church is a supernatural work of God. Yeah, sure, you may say, well, I, I chose to get up and come to this place this morning to, to gather and worship in this setting, in this context. That is true, but God has done something before that in all of our lives to bring us to this point that we must not forget. This is what the Apostle Paul in his letters to the churches in the New Testament constantly reminds them of. You look at a, a letter like that to the Ephesians. In the beginning, he just unpacks the glory of their salvation, how they have been radically saved, individually chosen and, and brought to, into a relationship with God. That through His blood, He has redeemed them for Himself. When they were dead in their sins, God made them alive and awakened them to the truth of the gospel and the work of Jesus and saved them by His grace. And then he goes on to tell them what the result of that is. In Ephesians 2, when he says this, he says, So then, as a result of what God has done in your life individually, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He says that he saved you so, so that he could bring you and unite you to another people. To, to bring you into a new kingdom, a new citizenship, a new community. And he goes on to say that, that Jesus Christ is, is the cornerstone of this new structure, this new building. And he says this, in Him, this whole structure being joined together, it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. God has been creating a people they would be built together as a house. He uses this temple language, the place in which God's glory was manifested, where He dwelt with His people, so that we together would be a place in which God's glory would be displayed, His glory would be known. When Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says this, he says that God saved us and called us to a holy calling. 
Not because of our works, but because of His power and grace that He gave us in Christ. We were not just saved from something, but we were saved to something. This holy calling as God's people. He explains what that is when he writes to Titus later on, and he says this, he says, Christ gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. From the very beginning, when, when God called out to Abraham has been seeking to gather a people for Himself as His possession who would be His representatives in the world who would reflect Him. This renewed community, this is what God has been doing. So He's redeemed us to purify for Himself a people together. And Peter describes the church like this and calls us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession so that we can proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. God called us out of our darkness, out of our own individual brokenness, and united us to Himself and saved us, but not just for our own individual purpose, but so that He could unite us and bring us together as His people. God calls and unites us first and foremost to Himself, and then joins us to His body, the church. So yes, even though we may decide to uh, experience community in a local church that we choose to go to and attend, the reality is that it's made up first and foremost of people who have been called out by God, who have been brought together by God, by His love, by His grace, by His affection. So what this fundamentally means is that the church community is going to be made up of a lot of different folks, a lot of different types of people that God is gathering to Himself. A people from, from, from all lines of distinction, from ethnicity, all the way to personality style. If you're into personality tests and the whole personality thing, he's pursuing everybody on the Enneagram, ones to nines. Or if you're into Myers-Briggs, he, he, needs the e, he wants the EFPJs and the ABCDs and whatever else they are, the IFJs. God is pursuing all kinds of people for Himself. From every socioeconomic background, every hobby and interest, every unique quirk, every strength, every weakness, God is gathering a people for Himself to declare His goodness in this world. God is not creating a church just for you, but He's creating a church for Himself. And so the church should be a place that when you look at it, you say, this doesn't make much sense. Why are you together? Why are you spending time with each other? Why are you investing in that person? You don't have a lot in common. The church should be a place that doesn't look man-made. That it's a supernatural work of God to unite and bring people to Himself. This is the vision that God presents in the book of Revelation Or we see this this worship gathering from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. What that means is that the church is going to be a pretty weird place. It's going to get strange when you bring together that many different kinds of people together. It's not going to feel natural all the time. But if your church is made up of people just like you, then you might have found more of a fraternity than a church. And it's the diversity of the church 
in all that God has been doing to gather a people for Himself that makes it beautiful. In our experience in this church over the years, we've, we've seen and we've experienced that in so many ways. As I look back over the last 10 years, and specifically the life groups that we've had a part of, we've seen that beauty, beautiful diversity. I remember the first life group when we came. We had never really been in a church that had kind of that, that small group structure like that, that community environment. It was more focused around kind of different events that the church hosted. But, but as, as we plugged into life group, I remember down at, the, at Will and Sharon Van Wise, a, a retired couple, much older than any of us, but hosted the group. We had a couple young families who were a part of that group at the time. We had a, a, some college kids who were dating, getting engaged. We even, uh, for, for a season, had some international single students who were coming to be part of that. We had uh, Bernie and Tina, I think, at the time were, were in there and, and, and gathering with us. We had just this hodgepodge where, where some nights were weird. There was awkward conversations and strange times together. But as we invested in that time regularly and committed to one another, we grew to just see this beautiful community that was formed. We've seen that over the years, time and time again, as I look at our life group now. We have Jim and Ruby in their 80s, still running hard after Jesus. Jim just faithfully serving, still coming to help me remodel bathrooms and, and labor and work hard around here. We have Morgan, you know, single gal with, you know, school teacher. She's come, included in part of our group. We have some other Families like, like us with young kids that just brings a lot of chaos. We got young married couples. We got some just, just starting to figure out what it looks like to be married together. We wouldn't naturally maybe gravitate towards one another, but, but because of, of, of what God has done to unite us and bring us together, we see this beautiful community that is formed. And we recognize that, that we all can learn from one another. That we need the older folks and the maturity and the wisdom and the, the, the life that's been lived and the lessons that they've learned. We need the, the vitality and the, the, the life and the energy of the, of the younger generation. I don't know what us crazy, hectic families bring, but we bring something just to the chaos. But the church is this, this unnatural community that God has created for Himself. And when you grow in that community to see it as a family, you see something that only God can create. And so if you feel like maybe at times you don't fit in, you've struggled to connect with the life group, you're not sure what group is for you, I would say they're all for you. And a lot of us feel like that. None of us really feel like we ever fully fit in with each other. And that's the, the beauty of what God does to, to maybe take unlike relate relationships and form a people that's going to declare his, his goodness and His glory. The church is first and foremost a community that we didn't choose. But it's a work of God where He has chosen us and united us together as His people. My second ob observation is this. That it's the community that we need. A community that we desperately need. Why do we need the church community? Why do we need the church? 
I think fundamentally it's rooted in this theological truth that, that, that we understand as, as, as being rooted in the very nature of God. That God is a being who exists in community. As, 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 as He exists as Father, Son, and Spirit, this Trinitarian unity in, in, in perfect fellowship together, He has then created us in His likeness, in His image. And a part of that aspect is, is that we were meant and intended for relationship with one another. From the very beginning, part of how we image and reflect God is through the context of the relationships that we enter into together. And I think that a longing for relationship is really at the heart of every human. The thing is, the church doesn't necessarily have a corner on community, right? People can find meaningful relationships all over the place. There are endless community opportunities and, and relationships to be found in the world. Whatever your interest or your values are, there's a group for you. Isn't that what Facebook says or something? Whether you're into the outdoors and hiking or running or exercise, you can find people to do that with and a community to engage with. If anybody's involved in CrossFit, part of the, the, the draw to that is the, the community that's formed there. Maybe more like a cult, but you can't deny that it's it's a very deep-rooted community element that, 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 that draws people together to that. Whatever you're into, whatever you're looking for, there's, there's a group out there for you. There's a community there. So, so why is the church so necessary? Do you actually think that you need the church? Because in our current cultural moment, in our historical setting, that can sometimes be a hard sell. We've all been kind of built into us kind of a, an American individualism. That we can do everything we, we want to on our own. We don't need other people. We can, we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We can, if we want to succeed, we can give ourselves to that. We can, we can build ourselves into whatever we want. In fact, other people might slow us down at times, and we got to think of ourselves first. We all have a little bit of that American individualism in us. And within that context, community ultimately becomes optional as it fits our interests or our desires. Whatever you're interested, you, when you think you need community, you step into it and you try to find whatever will serve you. But are we just a bunch of people who like to sit around and listen to sermons? Is that just our, our common interest that we just like to do this? Like, like no, there, there, there's... There's something else that God has called us to be as a people. And God did not gather the church as an outlet for our interests or merely just our spiritual itch, but God has designed His church to be formative in our lives, to be the context and the means through which He would shape us into His likeness. We were saved into a community for the purpose of growing us. And God desires, if this is your church, for this community to shape you and for you to have a part in shaping others in this community. This is what Paul again highlights over and over. In Romans chapter 12, he says this. He says, for as in one body, we have many members. And the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, we're members of one of another. We have a responsibility to each other 
in the different ways that God has gifted us, how He's shaped us, how He's created us. We have a responsibility to one another. He says this further in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, where He says, speak the truth in love to one another. And as we do that, He says, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, when each person is, is, is doing their part, is, is living into their gifting, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's vision and purpose for the church as a means of forming and shaping us into His likeness and forming us into the image of Christ. God has given us the church to each other to guard us, to teach us what is true, to, to help us understand more clearly what the Scripture says and what God calls us to be. He gives us the church to encourage each other as we bear each other's burdens and walk through life with each other that we don't have to do this alone. As He gives us the church community to, to, to challenge us that sometimes we need others to actually speak truth into our lives in a loving and a gospel-informed way. Sometimes we need to be told that we're wrong, that we're not seeing things clearly. Called to turn again and again to follow Jesus. And the transformative purpose of the church is found in the life-on-life -life relationships that are cultivated in the context of a gospel community. As you read the Apostle Paul's letters in the New Testament, one of the things that should strike you is the diverse relationships that he formed and that he, he built throughout his ministry. Sometimes we can read the New, the New Testament letters as, as Paul just offering these long theological discourses and kind of dispensing them to the church from his you know, apostolic office. But the reality is when you, when you dig closer, when you, when you really read closely, you see all the different people that he names, that he writes to, people that he had met, that he had ministered to, that he had lived life with, who he grew to love. You see him mention, mention people that he longs to see. He longs to, to, to visit them, to see how they're doing, to see how they've grown in the gospel and how the church is, is doing. He writes to others and, and, and says how, how he's crushed and broken because some have walked away from Jesus. In Paul's letters, we see not just this, this man offering just this long apostolic monologue, but we actually see one who is a faithful, committed, life-on-life -life disciple maker. I think the most clear example we see is in, is in the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. We have these two letters written to Timothy. Timothy was a young man who was raised in a faithful home, identified, it seems, at a young age, who, who, who Paul invited and brought along on some of his missionary travels, invested in him, poured his life into him. Eventually, Timothy, it looks like, became the pastor and leader at, at the church at Ephesus. And as Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy, one of likely Paul's last letters, he calls out to Timothy, and I've just always been struck by, by how he describes his life and his, his pattern of discipleship that he pursued with this young man. 
And he says this in 2 Timothy 3, kind of in the context, he says, Timothy, things are going to get really bad. There's going to be a lot of opposition that comes against you. You're going to have people who, who even lead others away from the truth. But he calls Timothy to remain steadfast, and he, he gives him these words. He says, you, however, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. It says, Timothy, I don't know how much longer I'm going I'm to be alive, I'm going to be around. He says, continue faithful. And he says, says, I have left you with an example to follow. He says, I've taught you the gospel. I've, I've, I've tried to, to lift up Jesus before your eyes. I have, I, have, I have lived before you in such a way so you could see my life. You've known my purpose and the direction that I'm heading. You, you've, you've even been witness to my difficult days and the struggles that I've endured. You've seen what I've, what I've sought to remain faithful to. Paul discipled Timothy. And it wasn't just a curriculum that they went through once a week over coffee. There may be a place for that, but this was a holistic life of discipleship in which he lived and poured and invested into the life of Timothy. And called him to go on and do the same. So let me ask, are there others in your life about which you can say things like that? You can say, hey, not doing it perfectly, just as, as Paul, like sometimes we can see Paul and, and be like, man, that's kind of arrogant of him, right? Like, like he's got it all figured out, but... He also says that he's the chief of sinners, that he hasn't arrived. He knows that. He's saying, as as much as I have tried to give my life fully surrendered to running after Jesus, Timothy, follow me in that. Are there others that that you seek to invest that kind of discipling relationship with? To live in an open and vulnerable context with them so they can actually see your life. They can watch you struggle with with your kids and parenting. And be honest about your, your struggles and difficulties and how you've grown and, 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 and learned to battle those things. There are others who, who, who as you have come to, to be awakened and understand the Scriptures and the beauty of the Gospel in different ways, that you've shared that with others and helped them to come along to see that as well. Or do you think that, well, there's not a lot that you can learn from other people, that you can kind of do it on your own? God's purpose of the church is to to use us in each other's lives to form and shape each other. So who for you is a a Timothy in your life? Or maybe you're you're one who needs more of a Paul. And I think we probably all need both of those types of relationships in our lives. People who who we're learning from and investing in our lives and others who we're we're seeking to pour out and to to disciple and and help them learn and, and understand what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything figured out. My life's a mess and, and I want to learn and grow. Then, then find someone who you could say, hey, can I, can I watch you? Can I, can I learn from you? But also don't discredit that, that even the most mature, seasoned Christian can learn a whole lot and probably just as much from your brokenness and your struggles as you can from the season and the maturity of life that they may exhibit. But God has given us to each other 
in this context, to pour out our lives for the sake of each other. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all, you know, all, all, all perfectly you know, understood of, of how to disciple someone. All we basically need is saying, hey, I, I want to run hard and pursue Jesus. Will you do that with me? Will you help me do that? Will you come with me in that? But God has given us the church, not as the community necessarily that we chose or that we would have, we would have foresaw or we would have created, but it is the community that we need. The relationships and the context for God to speak truth into our lives through each other. To walk through the difficulties, to see each other's faith on display that will build up our faith in the face of trials and struggle. We need each other and we need this community grounded in the gospel and lived out in life together. Not only is it the community that we didn't choose, but it is the community that we need. And it ultimately is the community that the world longs to see. There is a, there's an intrinsic beauty to the gospel community. And when we live out our calling as Jesus' disciples together in the context of the church community, then we can display to the world the radical, reconciling power of the gospel. We have the opportunity to offer to the world a glimpse into a better way of being in this world, a better kingdom, a better city, a better community. This is what Jesus told His disciples, right? In John 13, He said, hey, as you go out, the the world is going to know and see that you're My disciples by the way that you love one another. It's the declaration that we follow. Jesus is how we love and exist together as a community. And this is something that the world longs to see, is searching for, and longs to behold. You know, for the first four years or so that, uh, that we came here and, and plugged into this church, I had the, the great opportunity. There was no promise of a job or anything. They just said, yeah, we don't know if this church plant's going to make it, but if you want to move out here and jump on board, go for it. So we came, and the first four years we just spent just trying to faithfully involve ourselves in, in the life of the church to learn from so many of what it looks like to invest in each other's lives, to learn how to open our home in hospitality, to seek to connect with our neighbors and and others, to study the Word together. God grew and shaped us in in that time. And then over the the past six years, I've had the unbelievable privilege and opportunity to to then shepherd and lead as a pastor in this church. And as I look back over the last ten years that God has placed us here, I can look back and see how God has displayed His goodness through this church, through this community. And just to, to, to give you a, a snapshot into to the reflections of the things that, that I can look back and see, we've seen many who have come to faith through the proclamation of the Gospel. We've seen baptism after baptism. Those who have bowed their knee come to know Jesus for the first time. What a beautiful Beautiful, glorious reality that is every time God again calls another person to Himself. 
We've been witness to this community grow in their understanding of the gospel and how it permeates into all areas of our lives. We've seen this community serve and care for one another out of incredible generosity over and over again. We've witnessed selfless love from so many in so many different ways. From simply providing meals for each other after a a baby is born or or maybe uh, during a time of sickness or maybe just on a rough day. We've, We've fed and cared for each other well and gathered around the table time and time again. We've seen people share their resources generously and graciously by lending cars, sharing rides, selling cars, giving cars away. We've seen people come together to help a young family for the first time buy their house. We've seen people cover the cost of medical expenses, cared for one another's kids so that parents could get a night out. We've had so many of you open up your homes to host a life group in the midst of a busy week on a Thursday night to let up to 25 kids destroy your basement. We've had many others open up their homes to have someone come in and live with them, to be part of the family for a season. We've shared birthdays and anniversaries So many weddings and even a few funerals. We've thrown dozens and dozens, I don't know how many baby showers around here. We've cried with each other over the unexpected medical diagnosis or the loss of a loved one. We've prayed for those longing to have a baby. We've watched families take children who weren't theirs into their home and raise them and adopt them. We've seen the community come around them to support them in that endeavor. We've camped together. We've vacationed together. We've enjoyed our various passions and all of our interests together over the years. We've seen moms come together regularly and try to figure out how to raise and care for these young children, how to survive those those early days of parenting. We've raised up men and women to lead and to, 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 to make disciples of others. We've sent some to start new churches or to join other ministries. Last week, we sent Madison and Brandon down the street to Overland Church to step into ministry. A guy that we saw come to faith here. A guy that grew to just love the gospel and love the word that we, we invested in, we poured into. He took every class we offered and engaged in every spiritual conversation he could took on life group leadership, got married, now we've sent them off to continue to make disciples and build gospel community within our city in a different context. As much as I, I hate to see him go because I, I love them at the same time, like God is about something bigger than merely just us and, and God is using so many who have been impacted by the gospel even in different places than here. But we've grown and seen a community over the years who are passionate about knowing God more deeply and pushing each other to follow Jesus more faithfully through our life groups, gathering on the Word weekly to to our journey groups, 
men and women getting into the Scriptures together regularly every week, getting up early, sacrificing time to know the Word together to speak gospel truth into each other's lives. We have Christians battling sin together, openly confessing their failures, all under the umbrella of the Gospel that our failures don't define us, but that God has graciously forgiven us to be a renewed people and together we can battle our failures, battle our struggles together. We've seen struggling marriages restored over the years. We've seen betrayals forgiven. Genuine repentance manifested in countless lives. I could go on and on to declare the things that I've seen God do through this community. It hasn't all been great either. We've seen a lot of struggles over the years. Some have walked away from Jesus. We've let each other down. We've offended each other at different times. Failed to serve when we could have. We've disagreed over any number of things and argued about things and said things we shouldn't have. We've created division here and there. We're not a perfect community. If we were a perfect community, then we probably wouldn't need each other. But it's actually our collective brokenness and our collective imperfections that actually allows God through His Spirit to produce change and transformation in us. And what we've seen is a community that lives life together not merely because we all get along and not merely because we all have the same interests or theological convictions, but because God has graciously reached down to each and every one of us to call us to Himself and unite us first and foremost to Jesus and then to connect us to each other and to bring us together as a family. And when we live into this community identity as God's church, then God is constantly through us declaring His kingdom, His glory, His goodness, and His grace to the world. And again, over and over to each of us, holding us fast to Him and to each other. And as we press into that, this is a community that is becoming unlike anything else that we can find in the world. And it's a community that the world longs to see and longs to experience. So this room is probably filled with a lot of different people here. Some who have been here maybe from the beginning. Who know a lot of the references made here. Who've walked through that. Others maybe are just here visiting. Others maybe who have just been here in a short season. Maybe some who don't even claim the name of Jesus, who were invited. We're glad you're all here. But if this is your church, if this is your gospel community, if you've been faithfully laboring here, we, we thank you. We thank you for being a faithful conduit of God's grace to each other. I, could, I, I just commend you to stay faithful, to commit yourselves again and again to each other, to be faithful steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. We are never done being discipled ourselves and the task of discipleship in others is never complete. If this is your community, we thank you. Press into it. Press into each other. Live your life with each other. 
If you're here and maybe you've been on the sidelines, kind of disconnected, maybe even thinking about whether this is the place for you, that's okay. Maybe it's not. I don't, I don't believe that every person and every Christian should come to the Crossing Church. This is, a, this is a, a church that God is doing. There's so many other great churches in this city who are doing the same thing, but that God is also creating a community to display Himself in. But if you're, you're here and you've, you've been struggling with what this looks like for you to connect, I'd, I'd commend you and, and challenge you to press in to relationships. Find a life group context that you can commit to people that you can invest in. They might be people that, that you wouldn't choose, that you wouldn't expect, but maybe through the unlikely relationship, you're going to see God's grace manifest in ways you would have never thought. We'd be willing to step into the uncomfortable setting, to the awkward conversation, and pursue a deep relationship rooted in the gospel with people maybe that you don't know and that you would never envision yourself with. If you're here and you're just checking things out and trying to maybe explore whether this church is for you, we're glad you're here. We'd love to have you join us in this calling. We'd invite you to take our Belong class in a few weeks and, and get to know us more. But whatever the criteria is that you're considering as you evaluate a church, there, there's a lot of good factors and things you need to take into consideration. But I hope that you're, first and foremost, you're, what you're thinking about is, is maybe not so much the type of church or, or things that you're looking to get out of it, but, but you're asking first and foremost, is this a community of people that I can invest my life with, that I can run after Jesus alongside of them? We'd love to have you. We'd love to link arms with you and pursue the mission of Jesus together. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, but yet this community and these relationships are fascinating to you or compelling we love that you're here. We'd love for you to continue to explore who Jesus is. But first and foremost, we invite you to come and cast yourself on Him and what He has done for you. Just being a part and, and involved in what the community does doesn't make you belong to Jesus. But Jesus has offered Himself for you to pay the price for your sin, to cover for all of your brokenness, to unite you to Himself. And as He unites you to Himself, He invites you and, and connects you to a people. So I'd invite you to place your faith in Jesus this morning if that's you today. The church, this beautiful, messy community that we are, is the community that we didn't choose. That God has been doing something to create a people for Himself, to unite us together. And we're stuck with each other. But it's also the community that we need, that God wants to use to shape us and to form us into His image as we press into Scriptures together, as we, as we seek to live life together and, and, and bear one another's burdens and come alongside of each other through the ups and downs. And this is the community that if we live into this identity, of what God is doing, that we can be that which the world longs to see and behold. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his little book, Life Together, wrote these words. He said, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Maybe you're here and you're frustrated or you're just unsure of what it looks like. 
Maybe let go of your dream of the ideal community that you, that you want to find and you've been searching for. And maybe just look out and find people that you can love, that you can invest your life in, that you can seek to follow Jesus with. And as we do that, maybe we'll actually all find the community that we long for. So let's pray to the God who is creating a community and a people for Himself. Father, we love You. Love what You are doing in our midst. You've taken this simple people, this dream that Aaron and a few others had years ago to start a Gospel community. People who who knew the Gospel, who wanted to live life together. Over the past 11 years, You've been cultivating and building this. We don't have it all figured out. We're not, we're not a perfect community by far. But Your Spirit is still at work within our midst. Your Spirit is still changing and shaping us and doing something with us. So for as long as You allow us to be here as a church, I pray that You would move in our midst, that You would give us a vision to live our lives together. Those called and loved and saved by You, united to each other, Let us invest deeply in each other to push each other on and together to run hard after You. So empower us through Your Spirit to be honest about our failures, to turn again and again to the Gospel, to turn again and again in faith to You. And we know that the work that You have begun in all of our lives, You will bring it to completion. And we ask this in faith, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.